0: Morning everyone, so good to be with you all, today we have, um, as always, we have powerful readings today, Uh, today's a day where I'm going to preach about something I didn't want to preach about, Uh, and by the way, I do want to, for some of you who are standing, feel free to stand if you want, but there is more room over in this area. if you care to sit, one quick note before we jump into our main theme today. So, the, that scene where Jesus takes a child today, and the apostles have been arguing about who is the greatest. And Jesus says, Whoever would be first of all must be the servant of all. And then it seems kind of odd. He takes a child, and it's a sweet scene. Right? it seems like it's, on, it's always on one of those cards or images where Jesus looks like a 13-year-old girl, right? And he's got like a little child, and he's like, "Don't you love children?" The reason he does that today is the word there for a child, Paideia. That word in Greek can also mean "servant. And so Jesus today says, "Whoever would be first among you must be the servant of all, and the word that he takes a child." And in the Greek mind, in the Greek language, and in the ancient world, right? And today I was tempted, one thing I almost preached about today is abortion because of Texas's abortion law. Right? In the ancient world, children did not count for anything. You and I and our affection for children and our desire to protect them is a Christian effect on the world. Someone was in my office three weeks ago who is coming back to his faith. And his study brought him back to Christianity. He was an atheist, and he was reading, and he discovered that all the things the modern world values that are of any worth anymore, they all come from Christianity. In the ancient world, if you didn't like your child, if you had an infant and you didn't like him, you literally just threw him in the street to die. The reason the modern world would be abhorred by that is because of Christianity. And reason left to itself, people who are pro-abortion, they have locked themselves in an echo chamber where they're no longer capable of seeing the dignity of human life. Right? One child, I wasn't going to preach about this today. One child, the gospel teaches us, science teaches this as well, we know science has revealed all of this, but the gospel teaches that one human soul, one, it's worth more than all of the created universe. One. Right? That's amazing. But that's why Jesus does that today with the children. It isn't just that he's being sweet and meek and mild. Jesus is making the point that you and I do not seek the first place, but we seek to serve. Okay, real homily today. Now that I've like, made everybody feel really intense. When I was in college, I had a friend, and he was a friend in high school as well, and I forget if it was at the end of high school or the start of college, but he had a really nasty breakup with his girlfriend, and he didn't know how to deal with it, and so he dealt dealt with that issue in his life the way most young men do. He did it in a really immature way. And so what he did is he was a bit of a tech guy, and he went back into his computer, and he found a way to use Photoshop in all of his old photos. And he Photoshopped out every picture of his girlfriend in his photos, and he replaced it with his skis. <laughs> he replaced her. <laughs> Don't get any ideas, dudes. But he did it. So you see all these pictures of him with his arms around his like K2 skis. He's like such a Colorado guy. Oh. Today, I want to talk to you about the way that you, f- you Photoshop out the cross of your life, within your life. There are two religions. I really think, you know, you could frame this different ways, of course, and I don't mean to be um, dismissive of other great religious traditions. The greatest Christian heresy, in a certain sense, is the only option other than Christianity. Anybody want to venture a guess? What's the greatest Christian heresy of all, of all the 2,000 years Christianity has existed? There's one heresy that is the greatest. Love it when you mumble. It's so cute. The greatest Christian heresy of all of our history is called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is already being fought in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians is a major attack against Gnosticism. 1 John, it's almost the entire theme of the whole letter in 1 John. And the reason Gnosticism is so dangerous is because it has so much truth in it. But then it distorts it. So, Gnosticism, your Greek word of the day, everybody say gnosis. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. And what Gnosticism is, Gnosticism is the belief that some kind of wisdom, knowledge, or polished kind of mysticism will save you. So Gnosticism, right, is that belief that knowledge saves us. The Gnostic Gospels So those were written later than the four Gospels in the Bible. The Gnostic Gospels could not handle the cross. They couldn't handle it. It was too painful, it was too ugly. It was too much for the Gnostics. One woman after the last Mass at 8, She told me about in her college days where someone came up and she had a crucifix on her neck and uh, someone came up to her and said if jesus was stabbed with a knife would you wear a knife around your neck by the way our answer to that question should be yes i would the gnostics could not handle the cross you and i can't either right one of the things i thought of Uh, there's that certain kind of Catholic art that's like late 90s, early 2000s. And one of them is like, there's that cross. And if you love this cross, I don't mean to shame you, but just a little bit. (laughs) But there's that one crucifix, right, where Jesus is half on the cross and he's a half off. And he's half being crucified and half of him is ascending, right, into heaven and the Holy Spirit's there. Because you and I do not want to face the shameful horror of a crucified slave that redeemed the world. And so Gnosticism, just like my friend who photoshopped his ex-girlfriend out of all of his photos, Gnosticism photoshopped the cross out of Christianity. And if you read the Gnostic Gospels, which you shouldn't unless, you know, you have nothing better to read, which you don't, or you, d- yes you do, can't think today, you should not be reading those. But, the, the Gnostic Gospels couldn't handle the cross. And so what they did is they removed it from Christianity. And not even just the cross, but the Gnostic Gospels, what they did is that in the story of Jesus, they they made it no longer a story. They made it simply a collection of wisdom sayings from Jesus. I've got good news for you today. But it's hard. You and I don't like to think about the cross. This week is as praying about preaching. I didn't want to preach about the crucifixion. When I saw the readings, they were obviously about Jesus' cross. And I was like, maybe I can work in something else this week. You and I want to avoid it. Brothers and sisters, I have good news for you. Christianity is not a collection of wisdom. It is not a moral law. It is not good advice. Christianity is good news. And the good news is not that God has good advice for your life. Today's homily is sponsored by N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is an Anglican theologian and scripture scholar, and I love one of the distinctions he makes. He says, Too often you and I turn Christianity into good advice. That's what the Gnostics did. Do you want to find happiness? Be disciplined. Don't get drunk. Don't sleep around. Learn how to be silent. Walk a certain way. All those things, by the way, are true. Every one of them. But Christianity is not good advice from your parents. Christianity is good news. And the good news is that you were a slave. You had no hope. And neither did I. Satan in the New Testament and the Old, and if you just look around our world, Satan is the prince and the lord of this world, as Jesus calls him. Satan runs the show around here, folks. Until that happened. Until that happened. Jesus in the gospel today what happens we're in the middle of Mark's gospel Jesus is told when Peter confesses he says you are the Christ right and you think Jesus would say Peter you finally get it that's such good news let's hang out I will teach you on the mountaintop right and we'll we'll discover all the great wisdom and truths that God has to offer the world he doesn't do that Jesus turns to Peter, and he tells him, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to Jerusalem. I will suffer and die. I will offer my life for the world. We skipped the transfiguration, because we'll have it later on in the year. But then they they go up to the mountain. They have the transfiguration. And again today, Jesus tells the apostles He's on his way to Jerusalem to suffer and die. He does it a third time. We'll see that coming up in the Gospels. And here's what's amazing. The Gnostic Gospels, it's just good advice. It's just wisdom and mystical knowledge that can save you. All four canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them, Jesus predicts his death on the cross three times in each. You and I are not self-help Christians. If you look on any, you go to Barnes & Noble today or get on Amazon, go get on the New York Times bestseller list and look at what's selling in Christian circles. It will be filled with Gnosticism. The five best ways for you to find joy in your life. The undeniable secrets of how the Holy Spirit wants to free you which is true. People come to me and they say they want Christianity to be this. They want God just to answer their questions. Father Brian, I'm I'm discerning. I don't know if I should go to Minnesota or stay in Denver. And I'm like, let's look at Mark chapter 13. Let's see what Mark 13 says. Father Brian, should I ask this girl out? I'm like, (laughs) 1 Thessalonians (laughs) 6. Duh. Answer's no, be celibate. That's actually 1 Corinthians 7, but that's another story. It's another homilies. The Bible isn't that. The Bible is not wisdom. It does have wisdom, but it's not simply wisdom for your life. The gospel is the story of how the world was set free by the love of God. And you can't get around it, brothers and sisters, before you moralize that. There is a moral dimension Right? The cross does lead us to live a different kind of life. It does lead us, as St. Paul will say in First Corinthians, to a different kind of wisdom, a different kind of knowledge. It will do that. But before it does that, what you need to know at the depths of your heart and soul, if you are a man or a woman of faith, is you need to know that that's the day the world changed. The old world died on the cross. The world that was captive to Satan. The world that was in rebellion against God. The day Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't me that did something. It was the day that Jesus changed all of history and all of eternity. So Paul can say, Far be it to me, from me to boast in anything except in the cross of my lord Jesus Christ. This is so important. In our culture today, there's a famous book about the kingdom of God in America. And a theologian who wrote it, he's criticizing American culture and American Christianity. He says this, he says In America, the way we understand the gospel is that a God without wrath, by the way, wrath is all over the New Testament. If you read Romans chapter 1, God does not kind of say, oh, sin's not that bad. I love you. Let me put you in my arms like that little child and tell you it's going to be okay." Read Romans chapter 1. The sins of humanity provoke the wrath of God. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. When I do baptisms and there's people who aren't going to church and you can just tell this is what they think. I don't have sin. God does not have wrath. I do not need to go to church. And the cross makes no sense. And baptism is nothing more than just a nice moment for us to have a family party. The day that Jesus died on the cross, the world changed. One last quote for you today. One of my favorite scholars, a guy named Richard Hayes, he says, the cross is the key to understanding reality in God's new age. You want to understand what the world really is? You cannot understand it unless you look at it through the cross. To to enter the symbolic world of the gospel is to undergo a conversion of the imagination. You and I don't think the way the world thinks. The world that belonged to Satan, the world where all of us hated each other, and we saw each other's gain as our loss, the world that was on its way to hell. We do not live in that world. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. That world was destroyed on the cross. To see all values transformed by the foolish and weak death of Jesus on the cross. Brothers and sisters, as Jesus, as we walk through the Gospel of Mark, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and they don't get it. And neither do you and I. Jesus couldn't you have not died on the cross? Couldn't you just still be with us today? Couldn't my life be devoid of the cross? And as they walk, Jesus teaches them and he teaches us that the cross is necessary. It is the center of all things. All right? it is our joy, it is our hope, it is everything. When you go home today, I've said, I've said this before, Repetition is the mother of learning. If you do not have a crucifix in a prominent place in your home, that's a problem. If, if your home is covered with art that is you know, just part of the modern world like everybody else has, that's a problem. What you see in your home will teach you what life is about. In a prominent place in your home, should be the cross of Jesus Christ. And every time you go by it, you should remember this is what life is about. A broken world that was redeemed by the love of God. That is our story. Meditate on it. Spend spend your prayer time at the foot of the cross of Jesus and may it redeem you. Lord, today, May we know that nothing saves us, no wisdom, no knowledge, Jesus, no mighty deeds, no mysticism, no spirituality saves us. May I boast in nothing except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ.